Blog Talk Radio. Oneness Radio. I am Caroline Chang, your host. The mission of Awake to Oneness Radio is to inspire the world to awaken to the universal truth of oneness. Science is teaching us that all life is interconnected, that we are all one. And ancient wisdom and spirituality has been teaching us this for eons. What you do to another person, you're literally doing to another aspect of yourself. And when mankind awakens to the universal truth of oneness, there will be peace on earth. Today's show topic is Heal and Help Others Heal with Dr. Michael Gaeta. We'd like to welcome Michael Gaeta to Awake to Oneness Radio. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, Carol. Thanks for having me today. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for being my guest. I met Dr. Michael um, when I was producing, I work with uh, Humanities Team. I've been uh, working with Humanities Team now for about a year now. It'll be a year, May 1st, so <laughs> uh, almost my anniversary. I love uh, working with Humanities Team. Our, my mission with Awake to Oneness Radio and Humanities Team, we have the exact same mission, which is to awaken the world to the universal truth of oneness. And I've been producing webinars for Humanities Team this year, and I met my, Dr. Michael when he was a guest for a webinar for Humanities Team. And in, in producing that webinar, I was just listening to you, and I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm in such alignment. Everything you were saying is like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I must invite him to be a guest on our show. And he agreed, and he's with us tonight. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, so glad you- to be here. Well, thank you. Can you share with our listeners, um, you know, your your journey, uh, how you got to do the work that you're doing? You're doing a, some amazing work work in the health, holistic health field. But can you kind of start we'll give a give a brief history um, or a detailed history? How how deep, how much of a history you like to give to our listeners so they can get an idea of who you are. Thanks, Carol, and um, I really appreciate this opportunity to connect with you and your listeners and have a conversation together. Um, I um, had a long interest since I was uh, an adolescent, actually, to do something that made a difference in people's lives for the better. And uh, my first career was actually in music. I played the piano and realized that there was more specific healing work I wanted to do. Uh, Mm -hmm. And this all... Uh, happened after, you know, in my adolescence, had went through a pretty dark time in my life where I was really uh, quite depressed and unhappy and, you know, really considered checking out, you know, like if this was life, you know, I didn't want any part of it. And, uh, and you know, from the blessing of mentors and um, I think some divine intervention in some ways and books and, you know, different uh, helpers along the way, decided to stick around and, and do everything I could to make a positive contribution in the world. And that led me to, 
you know, begin my uh, healing arts practice uh, 27 years ago, uh, mm-hmm. and I practice uh, acupuncture and nutrition and herbal medicine and uh, natural functional medicine and and um, and bodywork therapy, and and so that really um, the the healing work kind of came out of a spiritual awakening, which mm-hmm. you know which was a, a difficult time, but. I'm thankful for it because it got me to the place where I realized that life was much larger and that I was much larger and that my purpose in life was much larger than I had imagined previously. And and so uh, this this kind of dark night of the soul forged in me a desire to do everything I could to be a, a positive healing presence in the world. And then that led to my healing arts practice. And then in recent years, my full-time vocation, my calling is teaching and training mm-hmm. other health professionals to you know, improve their patient care and practice success. Uh-huh, that's beautiful. Like I said, we in listening to you speak um, for HT's um, webinar, I was so in alignment and, and we're in alignment again. I teach piano. <laughs> I don't oh, play wonderful. much anymore. Wonderful. <laughs> I haven't That's played. Great. I used to play many years ago. I haven't really sure. sat and played in, in many years, but I've been teaching for over 25 years. I teach oh. students uh, from the age of 4 to 16, and wonderful. I love it. I love teaching oh, that's piano. Great. <laughs> See, so we have more in common. And, that, and then you also mentioned that dark night of the soul, um, you know, wondering why you're, you know, feeling like you didn't want to be here. And yes. um, many of my listeners are already aware of the fact that my son transitioned almost three years ago now. It'll be three years in July. But three oh. years before he, three years before his transition, I yes. did um, try to take my life because uh, three years before he transitioned, doctors told me he wasn't going to live. Mm. And he was on life support. Mm. They asked me, could you know, could they take him off? I said no. But after they, you know, they said, you know, he's not going to make it. Um, This was just after his 27th birthday. Mm. Um, They wanted to take him off life support. I said no. Um, Then I proceeded to go upstairs uh, on a different floor to a small, quiet waiting room, and I took Mm. a bottle of sleeping pills. I wrote a note saying, uh, my son, I'm not going to bury my son. My son is going to bury me. Mm. And uh, from that, it was Christmas of 2011. Mm. It was around Christmas. It was December of 2011. The hospital was on 34th Street. I experienced the miracle on 34th mm. Street that that Christmas. He mm-hmm. took himself a week after the doctor said he wasn't going to live. He mm. took himself off of life support. Mm. He pulled out the ventilator and he pulled out the feeding tube, and he was mm. perfectly fine. The doctors, it was a true miracle. And wow. he and I both went home to celebrate New Year's together. Oh, wow. Yes. Amazing. So, wow. So, so, yes, so definitely. Um, but I did. he did transition three years after that. Mm. But mm. I, experiencing that miracle yes. that I experienced December 2011, I said to God, I'll never, never stop thanking you. I mean, yeah. I didn't, when he went back into the hospital three years later, 
I said, thank you, God. I don't know yeah. what's going to happen this time. I don't know if I'm going to bring him home. But just thank you for that miracle. And, and mm. I, I, I just, and I think that's part of my awakening is just being thankful for experiencing that miracle and mm. just going on from there. I was actually awakened to the truth of oneness before that. I was awakened to the truth of oneness in 2007 mm. from watching What the Bleep. <laughs> oh, sure. A, a quant- Wonderful. Quantum physics. Yes, yes, quantum physics is what woke me up to truth of oneness. So, but I know that you um, spent some time working with um, Marianne Williamson. Yeah. Can you share that with us? Yeah, I, I, this was, um, you know, I came into high school, you know, I went through my first kind of suicidal phase in eighth grade. Mm. And, uh, and I was sitting in despair in my room, my bedroom that I shared with my two brothers. And I was just in this very despairing place. And um, a book, a single book, dislodged itself from the top shelf of the bookcase and fell on my head. And there was no wow. earthquake. Uh, there was right. no earthquake. There was no. This is New York City. You know, there was. Right. You know, it was. It was just a single book came off the top shelf and landed on the uh, my the front, you know, the top of my head. Mm-hmm. And it was Wayne Dyer's "Your Erroneous Zone." And uh, which had just come out not too long before that, and uh, and I said, oh, I guess I should read this, and mm-hmm. that book really helped pull me through that time. Very simple concepts, I think we would consider, you know, today those of us who were, you know, uh, living a conscious path, you know, about guilt and worry and things like that. But uh, it was just what I needed. They were new ideas for me and uh, at that time. And that got me through eighth grade and into high school where I, I met a guidance counselor who, uh, and this was a, a Catholic all-boys high school in mm-hmm. New York City, uh, Archbishop Malloy, wonderful school, and at the time was an all-boys uh, school. It's, it's co-ed now. And, uh, and I met a guidance counselor there who was, you know, such an angel and a godsend and and taught me that you know as he as he he sometimes said that god doesn't make junk uh you are lovable mm-hmm. and uh and so you know he really helped me have some self-esteem you know which i really didn't have at the time and he turned me on to and he was a catholic uh brother in the in the mm-hmm. in the religious order and um uh and he started turning me on to this, you know, I mean, I mean, for a Catholic brother to turn me on to Edgar Casey and channeled material and Course of Miracles wow. and all this kind of That's stuff. Great. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it was quite amazing. And I was voraciously reading this this stuff because my mentor, you know, this is, he, he was definitely a mentor for me for many years until he passed. Um, mm-hmm was recommending these, and I was just devouring this. He says, oh, I, I'm going to a lecture on Thursday. You know, would you like to come? And, of course, the answer was yes. And this is 19, this is the fall of 1989, and it was Miriam Williamson lecturing on A Course in Miracles in Manhattan. Oh, and immediately I was like, this is where I belong. This is wonderful. And I wanted more, and I wanted to help out, and I was so full of 
life and joy and connection with people and her and her teachings. And, and I said, I want to help out. What can I do to help out? And they said, Oh, sure, you can you can volunteer, you know, as a as a volunteer at the at an upcoming lecture. And so I just did. Mm-hmm. It was kind of Guy Friday, as they used to say, you know, like whatever right. needs to be done, you know, move boxes, you know, run the tape table, run the book table, you know, whatever whatever needed to be done, get Miriam some water. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and I did that. And they said, You know, we we really appreciate your enthusiasm. You know, we'd like to hire you. To uh, to do more, we're gonna, we want to give you more responsibility for helping, you know, set up and run the lectures. And I said, anything I can do, I'm happy to. So, uh, at the at the age of uh, 19, I uh, or 20, uh, I started working, you know, for Marianne. And this whole, you know, cycle with her lasted three years. And uh, in with her New York lectures, this was before she was all famous and mm-hmm. published her first book, A Return to Love, and. The great blessing was, you know, she was really a mentor for me, even though she was just in New York once or twice a month, that I got to see how she was with people, and I got to see how she, you know, how she was as a person, as well as her public, you know, brilliant lecturer and spiritual teacher persona that I got to, to do, you know, see from, from the lectures. And so I really, she was really an example for me of what it meant to be, uh, to provide, like, servant leadership and to have you know a, a definite degree of commitment to excellence and treating people well and having great personal integrity and great personal generosity and mm-hmm. so you know she really you know was a mentor for me for those 3 years and even though we didn't spend a lot of time together i got to see her a bit in the dressing room and the you know and just you know she was very generous with her staff and took us out to lunch and we just got to know her a bit as a person and she really took an interest and you know when she was talking to you you just got the feeling there was nobody else in the world it was just you and her like she just had that kind of presence and attention and so and she inspired me to become a professional speaker um and i remember she was giving a lecture one day and i said you know i think i I can do that what she's doing and then Mm -hmm. you know some months later i said you know i think i i want to do that um and then, you know, some months passed, and there she was again giving a lecture, and there I was, you know, kind of watching her. And I said, I will do that. That's what I'm called to do is, in some way to, right. to, mm-hmm. to do what she's doing. And uh, that helped, you know, become an inspiration for me, for me to start teaching. Now it's 24 years ago. Um, and, uh, and, that, and it was 1993, you know, four years later, you know, from when I first met her that I started teaching. And, I studied Course in Miracles very seriously for 12 years, um, and uh, you know, I'll always be part of the fabric of, of who I am. Very thankfully mm-hmm. so. And you know, she was really my second mentor uh, after you know Brother Ron, uh, the Marist brother who uh, helped pull me through that dark time and and taught me that I was a worthwhile person. Uh, so I'm you know I'm very blessed, and I can really yes. thank the the mentors that I've had over the years for you know, being where I am today. Wow, wonderful. Yes, Marianne Williamson has been a guest on my show with oh, her, uh, latest rele- her latest book that she released last year. Around this time last year, she was yeah. my guest. So, yes. Wonderful. And, and I'm, I'm not far from New York, and I keep saying I am going to go, because she lectures every Tuesday. 
night in New York, and I I keep saying one of these Tuesdays. But I teach on Tuesday. I teach piano <laughs> Tuesday, oh, so okay. I have to take a a day off from teaching to go. Yeah, that'd be worthwhile. But it it will be worth it. So I'll probably For do sure. it in the summer because I don't teach as much in the summer. So yeah, yes. yeah. Well, so, please yes. send her my regards. Um, I will. In case in case you happen to speak with her, you know. Oh yes, yes. I'm sure I will because we had um, when she was on the show, we had a wonderful conversation, and I know I want to get her to sign my book, so I I know she'll remember she'll remember me, and I'll mention you. (laughs) Yeah, send her my love, please. (laughs) I will, I will. Okay, so now, so you've had two wonderful mentors, and and the wonderful thing, I did go to Catholic school too, (laughs) Um, but I I didn't have a mentor in Catholic school. Matter of fact, I was in Catholic school in the 60s, yeah. in the mid to late 60s, and okay. um, it was, my parents raised us, uh, children are to be seen and not heard, and yeah. I had a question about religion, just keep it to yourself, you know, mm. it was not, it was not to, and they, there was no one in, from Catholic school that I remember uh, teaching things of um Eckhart Tolle, or um, maybe it wasn't, uh, yes, you know, those uh, metaphysical teachings I definitely could not find in the Catholic upbringing I had. Sure. (laughs) But that's wonderful that you had that. Yeah, I'm very thankful, you know, for all those years, you know, um, in Catholic school. It really helped give me a good, you know, uh, working knowledge of the Bible and and the wisdom that Mm -hmm. was there, you know. And I met my first mentor who helped me through a particularly dark time. Um, right. So, uh, and it was a, kind of a rite of passage for me uh, to um, Carol. To you know, he passed away from liver cancer in 1993, and that was the mm-hmm. first person who was really close to me that had died. And so, mm-hmm. it was definitely a rite of passage, you know, just to you know be with him through that process. Um, right. And it also kind of forged a desire in me, you know, even though I had just started practicing a few years before uh, to, to get really good at helping people prevent cancer and to mm-hmm. support cancer patients naturally uh, with mm-hmm. whatever, you know, their process was to increase their healing capacity mm-hmm. and quality of life. Right. So I, you began teaching, you said, in 93, and I know that yes. you do seminars all over the country. Um, can you share with our listeners a little bit on, because um, I know you went into a lot of different um, topics, um, yes. like vaccinations and all that. Can you share with yes. our listeners? Thank you. Yeah, you mean the teaching? Yes, your teaching. Yeah, uh, yes. I, most of my life I've devoted now full-time to uh, training other health, natural health care professionals, people like me who are acupuncturists or chiropractors or naturopaths or holistic physicians, nutritionists, uh, to improve their patient care and also the success of their practice so they can bring their gifts into the world and be very effective clinically in helping people get well, stay well, um, help them on their path of growth and healing and evolution, uh, and also to help them you know, on the business side so they can have successful practices. So that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's what I do full-time. I still practice part-time. Um, mm-hmm working with people here in Boulder and also working with patients remotely um, by phone and video um, as well. Uh, but my full-time life is as teaching. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, and share a little bit because you really um, gave a lot of good information about vaccinations when you were on on the program I was producing uh, with Humanities Team. Can you go into some detail about vaccinations? Yeah, it was uh, something, you know, I was born in 69 and got all my shots, which at the time was uh, uh, about six or eight shots. Uh, Today it's uh, 52 um, shots delivering close to 70 vaccines within the first six years of life. So the, the, the oh vaccine God. schedule has, has really exploded. Um, by by the, if a person follows the you know the recommended CDC uh, schedule uh, for getting fully vaccinated according to the recommended schedule, um, a person by uh, by the age of 75 uh, will have had uh, 166 vaccines, um, you know, in their life, you know, according to the the standard schedule. I'm sorry, it's 141 vaccines, 141 shots delivering 169 vaccines by age 75. And a lot of that comes by age, um, by by the time they reach their uh, 19th birthday, they will have gotten, you know, 66 shots delivering 84 individual doses of vaccines. Uh, And so the vaccine schedule has exploded uh, since the late 80s and early 90s because Mm -hmm. uh, vaccines are uh, the only other product in the world where manufacturers are exempt from harm done by the products they produce are uh, firearms. Uh, Other than that, the only products where the manufacturer is exempt from all liability for any harm done by that product is vaccines. And mm. so since the manufacturers oh starting in the, in the late 80s suddenly had no incentive to produce safe vaccines, and it was basically an unlimited cash cow protected by the government, mandated by the government, um, they, you know, all kinds of vaccines, you know, dozens of new vaccines have been introduced, and there are 300 new vaccines, or 276 to be exact, that are in development. Uh, since now the vaccine manufacturers, these drug companies, have zero incentive. They, they get to produce as many products as they want, hurt as many people as get hurt, and they have no liability. And so mm. this is quite unique. And so um, when I started practicing 27 years ago, it was about a couple of years in, about 25 years ago, that I started treating children in my practice with uh, nutrition and lifestyle counseling and uh, diet. And, um, you know, one day a mother brought in her two-year-old boy, her two-year-old son, and he had a whole range of health issues. He had regressed developmentally, mentally. He had neurological problems. His, he stopped interacting. He stopped being, you know, have eye contact, and he kind of regressed in what we would call today autism spectrum. And he had a, a asthma and eczema and all these other issues, digestive problems. And I asked the mother, you know, when did this start? And I had never asked this question before because I was raised with all my shots and vaccines are great and they saved humanity and they're really important for preventing disease. I was taught all these things and, you know, had no reason to question this at the time. And I asked this mother who brought in her son, I said, well, this was just intuition. I just, just came out of my mouth. I said, well, when did these symptoms start related to his vaccines? 
and uh, not thinking that there was any relationship between the two. And she paused and thought about it, and her eye, her face just, you know, this look of, of surprise. She said, oh, I, I hadn't thought about it. Most of these, pro- almost all of his symptoms started within days or weeks of his receiving his shots, and some of the symptoms started, like his developmental regression started, like within hours of his mm-hmm. two-year shots. I said, well, that's interesting, you know. I'm sure that was a coincidence, and then, which is what the pediatricians say these days. Everything is a coincidence. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, uh, some weeks later, another mother brought another child and brought her child in, and I asked the same question, and, and this started becoming a pattern where usually it's the mother bringing in the child, and 90% of the time, they reported that their child's symptoms, whether it was asthma, eczema, autism spectrum, developmental delay, developmental regression, digestive disorders, um, inflama- in, you know, inflammatory bowel disease, all these t- sorts of things started within hours or days of a vaccine visit, which is ironically called a well baby visit. And I said, well, this is really bizarre. Like, most of the children I'm treating in this holistic practice right. appear to have been injured by vaccines because mm-hmm. there was a definite relationship between when the vaccines were given and the onset of these diseases. And I said, wow, I better look into this. And I was amazed at what I found because it was the opposite of what I had been told by the pediatricians and the internists and physicians and the government and the media were all saying the same thing. The vaccines were entirely safe. They were completely effective and absolutely necessary, that they saved humanity from the plagues of these uh, epidemics. And I looked at the actual evidence, the actual science, the actual literature, the actual historical evidence, and found out that none of this was actually true and that Mm -hmm. vaccines had enormous risks and documented evidence of harm in some children, not all of them, but in many children, much more than we've been told. And so I kept going deeper and deeper, you know, and over the years I spent thousands and thousands and thousands of hours reading and listening and reading and listening, books, articles, videos, uh, from very, very credible authorities and very, very credible medical journals and just been completely appalled at how overstated the benefits are of vaccines and how understated the risks and harm are. And so having spent you know, many, many thousands of hours, over 25 years, I've come to a very clear conclusion based on the evidence that mm-hmm. vaccines do much more harm than good. Now, do they prevent some mild, non-dangerous, non-life-threatening, immune-building infections? Sure. They can suppress and prevent a few mild immune-building infections. Sure. Measles and chickenpox and very mellow, you know, self-limiting conditions. But right. the amount of harm they do is, is enormous. Um, and, and, I, and I've come to the conclusion, because I, I had read this, reading pediatricians and more holistically oriented folks who have, you know, kind of bucked the system and read for themselves, educated themselves, not just mm-hmm. believe the party line propaganda, mm-hmm. that the single greatest cause of childhood illness is vaccines. Mm. 
By far, oh my the greatest cause of all childhood disease, whether it's type 1 diabetes, whether it's asthma, eczema, inflammatory bowel disease, autism spectrum disorder, there there's literally hundreds of conditions that we could categorize as vaccine injury. And, and we know this from now hundreds of thousands of parents who know their children better than any doctor ever could, who know their right. children intimately. And, you know, you've mm-hmm. had children. You know, when babies are right. little, you know everything yeah. about them. You know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and, and every little thing that happens, every subtle change, you're aware of it because they're your child. And mm-hmm. I have two children of my own and yeah. uh, who are 8 and 12. And, you know, you know everything about your kid, and you just intuitively know and you observationally know. Now we have hundreds of thousands of parents who know that their child was not the same after they were vaccinated at the mm-hmm. two-month, four-month, six-month, two-year visits. One of those visits injured their child, and they mm-hmm. were never the same uh, after that. Um, and so, yes, do vaccines suppress mild infections? Sure. Um, but the amount of harm they cause is, is enormous. And so, um, you know, I, I, now I've been lecturing nationally for 14 years on vaccines, and my message is that vaccines should be uh, voluntary, that they're the myth, you know, now, the, now we have a growing body of pro-vaccine extremists mm-hmm. who would force, unlimited vaccines on the entire population, starting with the children, without choice, without informed voluntary consent, without parental rights, no parental rights, no personal bodily sovereignty, no exemptions, no informed consent, unlimited vaccines based on the myth that vaccines produce herd immunity, which is a myth. It's been completely disproven. It's impossible. It's medically impossible that vaccines produce herd immunity. And it's this myth, this propaganda, this fabrication, this lie, mm-hmm. uh, this hoax, that is the justification for unlimited forced vaccination. So you have some real extremists who would eliminate choice, who would eliminate parental rights, who would eliminate informed consent, which is the bedrock of medical ethics. And I've right. taught medical ethics nationally for 22 years. Um, I know medical ethics really well. I've studied and taught this subject for a long time. The, the core principle is informed consent. The person is mm-hmm. informed, and then they get a voluntary, unco- uh, voluntary choice without coercion. That's informed right. consent. And that's been eliminated now uh, and with vaccines based on the myth, the vaccine, that your vaccination protects somebody else, and that if you don't vaccinate, you're going to endanger somebody else. This is a lie. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but it's the lie that's the justification for forced vaccination and the elimination of health care freedom of choice, the elimination of informed consent, the elimination of even personal bodily sovereignty that you have a right to decide what happens with your body. You know, Roe versus Wade, the Supreme right. Court ruled that a, a woman has a right to decide what happens with her body. Mm-hmm. And with with uh, abortion, which I'm not making a right. statement about abortion, pro or con, not at right. all. I'm not, I'm not taking a stand mm-hmm. here. I'm just saying right. the Supreme Court guaranteed a woman's right to her own bodily sovereignty. But now, the, mm-hmm. now they want to take that away when a woman has to make a choice about vaccines for herself mm-hmm. and for her child. 
and that's wrong. Wow. And mm-hmm. so we're facing the greatest, um, the greatest uh, health care. Uh, we're facing the greatest crisis we've ever had uh, mm-hmm. of health care ethics. And the, the, the historical fact is that vaccines, when it comes to smallpox and polio and measles and diphtheria and pertussis, when it comes to every epidemic that ever was, no mm-hmm. vaccine ever eliminated any epidemic at any time in human history. That's a lie, that it did. Mm-hmm. And the truth is that every epidemic, without exception, mm-hmm. was well into its decline before the vaccines were even available. And then in the case of smallpox, the worst smallpox epidemics were in the vaccinated communities. They had the most smallpox and the most deaths from smallpox where they were the most intensively vaccinated. And we had the least smallpox incidents and the least death from smallpox in communities who chose not to vaccinate and chose instead to quarantine. Mm-hmm. And so wow. this is historical fact. And yes. uh, I would encourage all of your listeners to get a book called Dissolving Illusions which is a medical history book. It's a book of medical history, facts, related to smallpox, related to polio, which had nothing to do with the polio virus. It had to do with spraying DDT uh, all over our children and our communities uh, in the 19, you know, in the early half of the 1900s. So uh, it had, you know, very few cases of polio had anything to do with the polio virus. Uh, and the polio vaccine had nothing to do with the elimination of the polio epidemic. Um, and so these are myths. They're, they're, they're fairy tales concocted to scare people into accepting these very dangerous drugs, which are not even classified as drugs. Did you know uh, that vaccines are not classified as drugs? And so they're exempt, they're exempt from the requirements of safety testing that every other drug is subject to. They're exempt from even proving effectiveness in the way that every other drug is. So vaccines get to be approved without safety testing. They, uh, that's required for all other drugs. And vaccines are approved without even the requirement that they work in the way that all other drugs are required to be proven effective. Um, and so, you know, this is an, the, the greatest evil, the greatest hoax, the greatest scam of modern mm-hmm. medicine, uh, based on the lie that human that vaccines saved humanity and that they've you know saved us from all these plagues of epidemics, it's, it's all fairy tales uh, mm-hmm. concocted by the CDC and, and the drug companies. The CDC is a drug is a vaccine company itself. Okay. The mm-hmm. CDC owns dozens of vaccine patents, which sell you know five to six billion dollars in vaccines per year, are from CDC owned vaccines. And so, uh, you know, this is an enormous hoax, an enormous scam. And I've never told, you know, I've treated thousands and thousands of patients over 22 years, 27 years. I've never mm-hmm. told a parent not to vaccinate their kids. What I have said is, this is what I've done with my own children who are completely unvaccinated and are, of mm-hmm. course, among the healthiest kids in the community um, right. as a result. And I've just told them this mm-hmm. is my choice and why. And before I had kids, I said, you know, when I have kids, they're not going to be vaccinated, and here's why. But you have to make your own decision. I'm not going to tell you what to do. Uh, But we need to expand, not eliminate. We need to expand 
parental rights and freedom of choice, not eliminated based on the myth of herd immunity. We need to expand parental rights and informed consent and vaccine choice uh, because uh, they carry risks, real dangers and risks. And I've seen it in my practice. My colleagues have seen it in practice. It's documented in the medical literature. In certain children, uh, they are harmed by vaccines. And just looking at autism, which is only one small piece of the pie of vaccine injury, uh, the, the scientist at MIT uh, mm-hmm. did the statistical modeling and, and have proven that within 15 years, um, half of all children in the United States within 15 or 20 years, will be autistic. Half the children in the country will be autistic, including 80% of the boys. And, and, you know, and vaccines are not the only cause, but they're the, the biggest cause. Um, and we, we know this. It's in the science. It's in the literature uh, of mm-hmm. how vaccine ingredients directly cause autism in susceptible children. And so we have this one-size-fits-all vaccine schedule, which is not individualized, according to risk stratification, according to individual physiology and biochemical differences, according to family history, according to genetics, according to all these factors which have a a role to play. Everywhere else in medicine, there's individualized treatment, except vaccines. Mm. They're presumed to be safe. They're presumed to be effective. They're presumed to be necessary, without evidence, by the way, uh, without Mm -hmm objective, credible, independent science to prove any of this, and they're forced on the population without on a one-size-fits-all schedule, that doesn't happen anywhere else in medicine. Uh, a two-pound preemie gets the same mm-hmm. vaccine schedule as a full-term 10-pound baby. This doesn't happen anywhere else in medicine. Uh, wow. And more and more studies are coming out comparing vaccinated to unvaccinated kids, and the healthiest kids are the unvaccinated the sickest kids are the fully vaccinated. That's what the mm-hmm. objective science is telling us. And this is not what the mm-hmm. media is telling us because right. the media is controlled by the drug companies because mm-hmm. the drug companies, through direct-to-consumer advertising, give the drug companies $6 billion a year in advertising mm-hmm. revenues. And so they're the biggest advertiser in mainstream media. So right. if you're reading USA Today, if you're listening to CNN, If you're reading Time Magazine, you're reading the New York Mm -hmm. Times, all of these publications and media outlets are out of business tomorrow, if not for drug money. And Mm -hmm. so they'll never or rarely publish any stories that are critical of vaccines because they don't want to annoy their biggest advertiser. Anderson Cooper is out of a job, if not for drug money. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he's not the only one, obviously. It's just an example. Uh, But all these mainstream media celebrities are out of a job, if not for drug money. So they're never or rarely uh, will put out uh, any story which is balanced about vaccine risks and dangers and choice. So this is the situation we're in, thankfully, and I'm I'm a very positive, hopeful person. Evil destroys itself eventually because it's not connected to oneness. It's not connected to cosmic being or source. And so evil will destroy itself eventually. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and people are waking up. Right. They're waking up yeah. and they're getting active to take a stand wonderful- not against well, vaccines but for choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The wonderful thing in the day and time that we're living in now is the Internet. 
end shows like this one, someone can, this podcast will be available around the world for anybody to listen to. So um, the Internet you know, is connecting everybody, and that is a way to get what is actually happening, um, yeah. not through mainstream, mainstream media. I unplugged yeah. from mainstream media in 2001. Great. September 9-11, right after 9-11. Mm. Yep. Spirit told me, and, and I didn't, not audibly, but within me, I could, Spirit said, turn off that news and don't ever turn it back on. And at that yep. time, I didn't know why. I just was obedient. I have not watched news since 9-11. And mm. I get all the news I need to get all the news I need to know about comes to me, but also um, I'm not being um, brainwashed by mainstream yes. either, like you were just exactly. talking about. You know, so um, it's, it's so true well, that's that why it's now, now, you know, because uh, mm-hmm. as you know, you know, the uh, the media is based in fear. You know, if it if mm-hmm. it bleeds, it leads. As it the leads. Old saying goes. <laughs> If it bleeds, exactly. it leads. You know, it's the lead story mm-hmm. if it's some tragedy or something that creates more fear. And mm-hmm. so as the world is waking up to oneness, which is another word for love, yes. uh, then we must consciously use our conscious minds, and you know this, and you've been yes. teaching this, I'm sure, in this, in this radio program, that people mm-hmm. need to consciously turn away from fear yes. and the thought forms of fear, the habits of fear, and separation, that I'm separate from you, we're separate from the earth, we're separate from the creator, by whatever name called, you know, universal, mm-hmm. loving, cosmic intelligence. Um, right. You know, anything that tells us we're separate from whatever is, uh, yes. is a lie. And mm-hmm. so as we turn away from fear and turn towards love, uh, then, you know, we begin to uh, think thoughts that are creative and, and, and actually create a new world. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, this is this is the message of of the day. Is mm-hmm. to, you know, as I, you know, my son was born in 2004, and it was uh, in 2005 that I I threw out our TV, and that was the end of it. Oh. You know, we haven't had a television <laughs> since then. We canceled our New York Times subscription, and uh-huh. you know, and, uh, <laughs> and started, you know, and just it's like a digital detox, you know, of, mm-hmm. of detoxifying our minds. Yes. From the lies, you know, like a, uh, of the world, which says that, you know, the world is falling apart and that mm-hmm. there's so much evil in the world. Well, that's not really true. You know, there's much more, you know, if you, if you could stand, you know, if you could kind of be in space and see all the light mm-hmm. and all the darkness in the world, the kindness right. and the violence the love. Yes. and the love, you'd see, yes. you know, the you know, vast majority... Love. You know, uh, there's a million acts of kindness for every act of violence. You know, there's so much exactly. more light in the world and in people and between people. Uh, but the media is, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, it only tells us about that small percentage of right. darkness and violence and uh, to create more fear and, you know, to have a, a, you know, a, a weakened population. Mm-hmm. That yes. we we just you know we're taught how weak we are and how terrible mm-hmm. the darkness is, instead yes. of the truth, which is that we're incredibly powerful, and there's mm-hmm. far more light in the world than darkness. This is so true. This is and and this is exactly mainstream media's job is yeah. to 
to feed us this negativity, this fear. Because the only way we give away our power is when we're in a state of fear. And the, quote-unquote, the powers that be want to be able to control the masses by keeping them in a state of fear. And and this this is so obvious now, and it's so, the wonderful thing is I got my education to one, like I said, from what the bleep woke me up. But once I was awakened... I was on YouTube. <laughs> I lived on YouTube. I was sure. on, you know, Wayne Dyer, you name it, yeah. um, Greg Braden. I just, because I loved the, the spiritual and the science. And yeah. I just, yeah, I was, I mean, I couldn't get enough of it. I just yeah. lived on YouTube. I didn't throw Wonderful. out my TV because I still have Netflix, but, <laughs> oh, sure, <laughs> but I don't sure. have any, I don't have any commercial television. Just yeah. a, occasionally I like to watch a documentary on ne- Netflix. Yeah, so. yeah, that's, but, that's wonderful. <laughs> Yes, yeah. but it's so true. And and the wonderful thing is the day and age that we're living in right now, because I truly feel things speeding up. People are awakening. I mean, For I'm sure. able to do this show from my home office, you yeah. know, and and it reach reaches thousands, you yeah. know, around wonderful. the world. You couldn't do that, you know, ten years ago, you know. That's so, right. yeah. So things are really speeding up. People are awakening. And now mainstream media wants you to think that, oh, my goodness, you know, my mom. <laughs> I, had, I just thought about my mom, my dear mom, who transitioned in 2011. But her yeah. favorite saying was, the world is going to hell in a handbasket. <laughs> that was her favorite saying. But that's not true. <laughs> no, the world's that going is, to heaven. Uh, in, or is being translated into heaven. You know, the Course in Miracles says the the end of the world is not its destruction, but its translation into heaven. Mm. Um, and so the you know this idea that you know heaven and hell are something that happens after we die is that right. that that bizarre idea is being replaced by it's heaven and hell is our present experience of separation and fear or oneness and and love. Mm-hmm. Mhm. So true. And we're creating it right. We are creating our heaven right here and now. Yeah. Oh, we're creating our hell right here. It's our choice. It's free Absolutely. will. You know, we have we're all divine um light and we all have the free will to create heaven or hell right here in this now moment. Cuz in mm-hmm. truth, I, one of my favorite books is Eckhart Tolle, The Power of Now. Oh, knowing that a- truly is just now. That's all there is. Everything yeah. is happening in in this now moment, and when you really embrace and love what is, you understand that you haven't you have never I have not studied a course in miracles, but I have had many many guests that have studied the course in miracles, and mm. and I'm I'm in total alignment with everything I've I've heard from um, my guests that have studied yeah. the Course in Miracles, but it yeah. talks about that we have never left heaven. We're in heaven right. right now. But if you want to create your own hell, you have your own free, your divine aspect of God, and that's your free will. Okay, go ahead, yep. create your own hell. You know? Yeah. But, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, mass media will try to keep you thinking that, oh, my goodness, what is happening with the world when, it, when the opposite is truly happening. Yes, yes, I I had that. That's so Mm -hmm. true, Carol. I had the privilege of uh, publishing a book 
uh, written by one of the top uh, media ethicists in the world, Dr. Tom Cooper at Emerson College. And mm-hmm. the name of the book uh, is uh, Fast Media, Media Fast. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. it's available I on like Amazon. That. It's available at uh, gatorpress.com. Uh, mm-hmm. But Fast Media, Media Fast is he, one of the one of the many themes of the book is how uh, media can potentially pull us away from being creators and just being consumers, mm-hmm. and that uh, in a conscious a consciously lived life doesn't mean we don't have our computers and our smartphones and what have you, but. We don't allow them to take over our lives to the point where we stop being creators and we forget that we are creator beings. Um, mm-hmm. And then you know, we just reduce ourselves to just being consumers of media rather than creators of our world. Yes, so true. So very true because you can just nowadays, even with Netflix, you can, I can sit there and bend binge watch television oh sure oh yeah you know? Absolutely. <laughs> you know? yeah and i enjoy you know my you know a couple of things on netflix and here and there mm-hmm. and all of that it's 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 enjoyable little escape right. or uh, just entertainment you know but right but i know that uh i was put on earth to be a creator um mm-hmm. and uh and that i that i find my fulfillment not just a fun distraction but i find my, my right. meaning and fulfillment in life when i create and when I serve the whole, when I serve something larger than myself and so help true. others find their fulfillment. That is so true. And um, you know, when I thought and brought up the thought of these video games that were, that society in general is bringing up their children on yes. these crazy yes. violent <laughs> Yeah. You wonder why why society is violent. Yep. <laughs> Have you watched these video games that the the kids are just addicted to? Um, yep. It's just so you know it is. It's not a, when they should be outside playing. You know, throwing yeah. a ball, running and yep. jumping, yep. and not in front of a video game. Yeah, with practicing all killing. Yep. Yes, 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 and even in yep. cartoons, look at all yeah, the violent. Sure. I mean, car- I have a six-year-old grandson, and when he comes, I'm Mima. He's like, he knows he can, he's got a, when he's watching television on Netflix, it's like, no, he'll always say, Mima has no violence in it, because he knows <laughs> I won't <laughs> sure. allow him to watch anything with violence. And, yep. and, and you would think, oh, that looks innocent, and then you actually watch a cartoon, and there's like some some form of violence in it. It's like, yep. Yep. <sighs> it's, and this True. is what we're putting our, feeding our children, our babies. And And they're the future, absolutely. Yes, and and then you wonder why society is violent. It's all connected. That's right, in Dr. Cooper's book, uh, he points out that by age 18, the average American child has witnessed 200,000 acts of violence. Mm. And uh, on a screen. Uh, Mm -hmm. But to a young child, there's no difference. The, child, the young child's brain does not distinguish between a screen and reality. It is real to the young yes. child. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, it's, it's remarkable. And now, you know, the, the, the science is confirming what we've known common sense for a long time, that violent right. behavior is far more common. Like we know now that media consumption, video games, all this virtual experience mm-hmm. of violence 
definitely, we know the science is irrefutably clear. Right. And it's mm-hmm. suppressed in the American media, of course. Of course. Because yeah. video games are one of the most profitable industries in the mm-hmm. world. Um, yes. uh, along with the drug industry, is, is probably mm-hmm. the most profitable. Um, right. But uh, because it's such a profitable industry um, that the truth is never put out, that exactly. we know the science is clear that uh, screen exposure and video game exposure uh, creates violent behavior towards oneself and others. Mm-hmm. So true, so true. And yeah. it, it's so it, it's so true that mass media is really trying, but I, I do believe that um, from all indications that we have really globally turned the corner yeah. um, where mass media is losing. <laughs> you know, yeah. because I would agree. So many people, yes, so many people are having have access to other alternative media. That's right. Um, have access to the internet. Have access to wonderful shows and wonderful books, and and so people are slowly but surely waking up, and that's why I named this show "Wake to Oneness" because. Yes. To me, oneness is the key. That's what, when I understood the truth about oneness, that we're all one, we're all connected, we're not separate from God, you know, we are all a part of God and we will always be a part of God and we can never be separated from God and we're all a part of each other and what I do to you, I'm literally doing to myself. When That really resonated for me. It wasn't just an intellectual level, it was a heartfelt level and I knew it as truth. It just changed my life. And I well, know as people awake to that simple truth of oneness, to me, like you said, oneness, love, God, all those words are interchangeable. They're the same thing. God is oneness. God is love. You know, God, and we're all connected to that. We're, we're not separate. And, uh, indeed. It, it, when, when people awaken to that, and we will, and I do see it, it I don't know, I can't put a year on it. But there will be a time. <laughs> there will yeah. be a time when mankind will know, will know that yeah. we're one. And when that That's happens, right. there will be peace on yeah. this earth. There will. Yeah, be. and um, you know, and the the uh, the the I don't, I don't think we have like unlimited time to do that. And I exactly. also know that it, it doesn't take a majority. It just takes uh, an awake mm-hmm. or conscious. Minority, and that's the whole hundredth monkey uh, mm-hmm. principle. That it was only about eleven percent of the mm-hmm. monkeys of this particular species started washing their fruit before they ate it. Mm-hmm. When overnight, all the monkeys on all the islands, so there was no direct mm-hmm. observation, started washing right. their fruit. Um, mm-hmm. because, so it was about eleven percent, and who knows if that's the exact number, but it doesn't but, take right. you know a majority. And I, I exactly. remember I was working with a is a patient of mine I've been working with now for uh, 25 years now. Mm-hmm. And um, many years ago, he came in uh, one night, and he was really upset. And I was like, oh, what's wrong? He said, you know, I just hate my job. I just don't like this company. It's a negative place to work. I dread going in there every day. I, even though the money's good, I think I'm going to quit because it's just not worth it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just – people are just mean to each other, and they're – backstabbing and talking about each other's back and undercutting each other and tearing each other down and 
it's just such a negative environment. I think I'm going to quit. I just this isn't worth the money isn't worth it. It's just such a negative environment to be in. And I said, okay, would you be up for doing an, an experiment? You know, just for a couple of weeks till I see you again. He said, sure. Right. I said, um, well, you know, when you go back to work, just um, uh, focus on uh, being kind and appropriately loving mm-hmm. to whoever you interact with and not be attached to how they respond. They don't have to do it back or be kind back or you're not doing it for a particular result. You're just doing it to show up differently. Just just show up differently at work. Regardless of what anybody else does, you're going to bring something of a positive, loving kindness into your own interactions with whoever you interact with and not have any concern with the results. Mm -hmm. As a teacher of mine used to say, let love radiate without concern for results. So just try it just for two weeks and just see what happens. I mean, you're going to quit anyway. Mm-hmm. Let's just do mm-hmm. this for a couple of weeks. He said, sure. He comes back in two weeks. I said, how did it, How you doing? He said, you know, something changed. I said, what, I said, what happened? He said, I'm having a different experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, people are still mean to each other, but I'm having a different experience. I'm not as stressed. I'm not right. as bothered by what other people are doing to each other, and even if they're being mean to me. I'm just not as bothered about it. He says, I'm just focusing mm-hmm. on, you know, being more of a loving, patient, compassionate, kind person. Mm-hmm. I said, that's awesome. He, so yeah. I said, wow, that's great. That's, that's amazing. I yeah. said, would you, be, would you be up for continuing the experiment for another couple of weeks till I see you again, since you're going to quit anyway? Mm-hmm. Would you mind just doing the experiment for a couple more weeks? He said, sure. You know, I, I'm having a different experience now. Right. The company is the same, but I'm having. I said, I said great. So he comes back in two weeks. He said, he says, something amazing has happened. I said, what happened? At work, he said people are starting to treat me differently. Mm-hmm. I said, really? He said, yeah. I mean, I haven't. I didn't ask. I didn't, you know, demand that they treat me differently. I said they're just naturally being more kind and positive and just towards me. They're still like tearing each other up. <laughs> but yes. they're being they're being nicer to me. Right. He said it's amazing that people are treating me differently. I didn't do anything to like force that or ask that or demand that. He said I'm just doing my thing. I said that's amazing. And I said, you know, would you be up for continuing the experiment for another uh-huh. couple of weeks? And uh and he said sure. This is this is kind of this is starting to get fun. Right. So he comes back in 2 weeks. And uh, and I and he sat down and and I said, "How's it going at work?" And he started crying, like tears were coming up in, in his eyes. I said, "Oh my God, what happened?" <laughs> and he said, "Michael, now people are treating each other differently, mm. including people I have no interaction with, people in different departments, on different floors, like when I, because his." Uh, technology company in, in Manhattan mm-hmm. what took up three floors of this office building and occasionally he'd have to deliver something or you know like you know usually he was on his floor but occasionally go to a different floor mm-hmm. and he said I can't believe it people are treating each other differently even people I don't even know who they are I've never wow. met them they're not in my department 
I have no interaction with them. I've never even met them before. But I'm just standing there watching how people are treating each other. And he's crying. Now, tears flowing down his face. He said, Michael, did I do that? Mm. And I said, wow. yes. I said, yes, you did. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he said, because you chose to show up differently, consistently. Yeah. Now it's been six weeks. Your entire, he said, the entire company has changed. The whole culture, the feeling of being there has changed. And he said, I don't want to quit. He said, I'm having a totally different experience, and now other people are too. Yes. And uh, and it just, he was just blown away. He said he just, his simple job, day by day, was to let love radiate in whatever way it seemed appropriate, without mm-hmm. concern for results. Yes. And... And this 300-person company changed within less than two months. Wow. And uh, and within uh, a few months later, he got a promotion, mm-hmm. uh, got a much higher-paying job, doing something in a different department. He was really challenged mm-hmm. and loved it. And wow, and it was a, it was a I think it was a, a people department. He went from being a trainer to being like in HR, where he was like mm-hmm. talking to people all the time about their experience and whatever it was, and uh, he stayed on another, I think, seven years. And just from what he chose to do himself, just Mm -hmm. showing up differently, it became like one of the best places to work in Manhattan. Wow. Um, Mm. And the whole culture had changed. And and I say this because, you know, I know you you live from this place, Carol, and and I'm sure your listeners do, but... It's just an it's just an example of how one person can change the world immediately, oh, so their own world, mm-hmm. and then further out from there. And what I said to him, his name is Paul. I said, Paul, do you know what's happening beyond your company? He said, What do you mean? I said, Those three hundred people who work at your company go home, right. mm-hmm. and and. Don't you think that they're showing up differently when they go home to their families or their friends or their social groups or their uh, their bridge club or their church group mm-hmm. or their whatever it is? Don't you right. think they're showing up? And then it and then he started crying again because it, he realized that that he was changing the lives of thousands and thousands of people. Right. He'll never meet. Mm-hmm. But because the, the people he interacted with started to interact differently with people he didn't interact with, and then everybody right. started treating each other differently, uh, that they're going back into the rest of their non-work lives, their personal lives, right. and showing up differently with their families, their children, their spouses, their partners, their friends. Yes. And because of one man, one person mm-hmm. chose to to show up differently and wow. to let love radiate without concern for results. That ten countless people, their lives have been blessed and changed. And so and based on and, and from what you and I have been talking about, this story will never show up in the news. Of course, right? Because <laughs> this is a no. story of hope and positivity and light and love and oneness. That we're mm-hmm. all connected. 
Right. Um, this will never show up on CNN. It'll never be in in USA Today or Newsweek or whatever it is. Um, But this is what's really happening in the world, not Mm -hmm. the wars and the corruption. and That that stuff's happening, too. But it's such a small part of what's happening in the world compared to these, you know, countless acts of love and kindness. Yes. This is what's really going on in the world, not the 6 o'clock news or MSN or CNBC or the New York Times Mm -hmm. or... Whatever. This is really what's going on in the world, and the world That's is waking true. up. Yes, it is. The world is truly waking up. And I love the a very important point to your story is without attachment. Just be yeah. loving. Just be kind. Without yeah. attachment. You know, without expectation. Just, just love for itself, for the yeah. sake of love alone. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm, so true. So true. Well, Dr. Michael, can you please share with our listeners again how they can find you and keep in touch with you? Yes, and, and you asked about uh, vaccines uh, today, yes. and, mm-hmm. uh, and so I wrote a little, uh, a little book about it, more like a booklet, and mm-hmm. I wanted to give it to all of your listeners uh, for free with my appreciation for their taking the time to listen to this interview. And so we created a, a web page for your listeners uh, at oh. my public website, which is mm-hmm. michaelgata.com. So M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-A-E-T-A.com is the public site. But if you go to michaelgata.com slash awake, which is mm-hmm. the name of your show, Awake to Oneness, if yes. you go to michaelgata.com slash awake, um, they can put in their information and they'll get notified of my new articles and writings and events. But also, uh, we're going to send them uh, a little book I wrote about vaccines and choice, and oh, so that they can learn more and, and share it with other people. It's you know we want people to share it. It's free. Yes. Uh, we'd love yes. for them to get the word out um, and uh, and get informed, uh, yes. and so they can go. And if, if you have any listeners who are health professionals, there's information that they can get about my health professional trainings, uh, mm-hmm. which is mostly what I do these days. Uh, but we'd love to, to give that to them as a gift. Um, well, so thank, you. thank you. MichaelGata.com slash awake. Email it to me, and I'm going to make sure I have the link on my all my pages on my website, on the Block Talk Radio page, and on my sure. YouTube. So yeah, and this is just for your listeners, you know, something we yes. wanted to do for them. Well, thank uh, you. We'd, uh, we'd love to do that. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate that. This has been amazing over hour, <laughs> which is fun. Yeah, which it is, sure has. When you're, when you're the host of your own show, you can go over an hour if you want. <laughs> That's <laughs> no, right. No I, I did a show for four years, and uh, and that that happened yes. a lot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, thank. No, this has been amazing, amazing. And uh, again, it's a podcast. Uh, everyone will be able to. If they missed this live airing. Just click on the same link, and they can hear yep. the replay. Oh, oh that's, that's great. Wonderful. And if you, and if you do have a health professionals who are listeners, they can go to uh, cliniciansmastermind.com to learn about my one-year uh, health professional training in natural functional medicine. And then mm-hmm. they can apply, and then I'll talk to them and see if it's a good fit for them. And uh, mm-hmm. health professionals can also go to uh, autoimmunemasteryprogram.com. 
and I'll send you these links as well. Uh, okay. Autoimmune Mastery Program is a six-week health professional training in autoimmune disease, how to prevent and reverse the autoimmune process, which we're going to run again in September uh, of 2017. Um, and, uh, and then the public page, which has my blog and my radio show archive and all of that, is at michaelgata.com. Uh, and uh, and then we're we're creating a page called uh, michaelgata.com/awake, and then uh, we can uh, we'll, we'll send you the the little book I wrote on vaccines. Oh, thank you, thank you. One of the things you mentioned um, when you were doing a program for Humanities Team, you mentioned apple cider vinegar, organic apple oh. cider vinegar. Yeah, I take sure. that every day with oh, no good for I never get ill. <laughs> never. Everybody's yeah. sick around me, but I'm always healthy as a horse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, organic wonderful. apple cider vinegar every day. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, if, and preferably raw, uh, like yeah. an unpasteurized one would yeah. be, uh, well, would be a good thing. Yeah. Oh, Bragg's yes. is what I use myself. Yeah. Uh, Bragg's is, yes. is, a, is a very good one. Uh, but, yeah, yes. that's one of the kind of... Um, really useful diet and lifestyle suggestions I recommend to people. I, I could take a minute and make some other suggestions that people might enjoy. Oh, sure. if, if of we course. Have We've got plenty of time. Definitely. Yeah, so yeah. a tablespoon a day of like a raw organic two. apple cider I, vinegar. I, I two is it, great, I too. Yeah. yeah, I take you two. I put two. it in a shot glass, and I drink yeah. it straight. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. That's great. Yeah, you can dilute it with some water if you like or take it straight. Uh, what I recommend is people unplug their Wi-Fi at night. Mm-hmm. So, so just pull the plug on that so you're sleeping without the Wi-Fi radiation in your house if you have Wi-Fi. Um, oh, okay. Keep your cell phones out of your pocket and you carry it mm-hmm. in a bag away from your body. Uh, okay. It's really useful. Uh, sea salt is a very good thing. A uh, teaspoon a day of whatever mm-hmm. your favorite sea salt is. I, I like Celtic sea salt, but any of the natural salts or sea salts are good. And then mm-hmm. uh, another great daily tonic is uh, raw honey. And uh, just mm-hmm. a teaspoon a day, get a measuring teaspoon of raw honey uh, is yummy. And it's like a tonic. It's like a health food. It's strengthening. has many benefits. Well, I like to make organic lemonade first thing in the morning. Oh, yeah. But I make it with um, um, maple syrup grade B, organic maple syrup yeah. grade B. So I put a teaspoon or a tablespoon of that into, or I squeeze a half of um, organic lemon lemon and make lemonade every morning. That's Mm. my my first drink in the morning. That's great. And and the only upgrade to that, uh, if you want, Carol, is to to use raw honey, which is uh, the ultimate sweetener uh, instead of the maple syrup. Uh, Raw honey is the best sweetener in the world. That's more nutritious than grade B? Yes, maple syrup for sure. Okay. Yeah, honey. Right, if it's raw, uh, yes. honey is the ultimate uh, nutrition. You know, even okay. compared to maple syrup. Maple syrup is a good second best sweetener. Okay. Uh, but raw honey is has has a lot more nutritional uh, and, and energetic benefits and immune benefits as well. Okay, now you just you just converted me. <laughs> I did not know that. I always yeah. thought maple syrup grade B, because grade B is hard to find. I can only find it in a health yep. food store. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, okay, you just converted me. Now I'm going to do the raw honey. Raw honey. Okay. I yeah, raw honey that. is a wonderful thing. Teaspoon of that a day, teaspoon of sea salt, a uh, tablespoon or more of, apple cider, of raw organic apple cider vinegar, like Eden or um, Bragg's. 
mm-hmm. very, very good. Really wonderful. Mm-hmm. Simple things. Mm-hmm. Simple things to keep you healthy. That's right. <laughs> prevention, That's right. for me, prevention is better than cure. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's much easier and cheaper to stay well than to get well, mm-hmm. you know, once you've been yes. sick. Yes, so true. Well, thank you, Dr. Michael. This has been so wonderful. I, I so appreciate it. You're and welcome. I definitely am going to share that gift that you have for my listeners. They can oh, find it to. on yes, on my and, blog and if, page. Um, and if any of your listeners are interested in a personal health consultation, um, mm-hmm. which we do with people around the country, and, and uh, we have actually some folks internationally too, um, mm-hmm. we, we do that by phone, my associate and I, Dr. McCann's. Uh, we do uh, phone and video remote, you know, um, uh, health consultations on diet and lifestyle and supplementation and herbal medicine uh, that people want to use to get well and stay well naturally. So that all, all that you can find at michaelgata.com. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Michael. And you have a wonderful weekend. It's a beautiful Thank weekend you. here in the Poconos. And I'm sure oh, okay. you're, you're in Colorado. I'm sure it's Boulder, beautiful. Colorado, yeah. Yes, yes. Great. Well, thank you so much. You have a great weekend. Thank you, Carol. You too. We'll be keeping in touch. Okay. Very good. Thank you so so much. You're welcome. Okay. Good good night. Bye-bye.